1 Chronicles chapter 15. David made himself houses in David's city, and he prepared a place for God's ark and pitched a tent for it. Then David said, No one ought to carry God's ark but the Levites, for Yahweh has chosen them to carry God's ark and to minister to him forever. David assembled all of Israel at Jerusalem to bring up Yahweh's ark to its place which he had prepared for it. David gathered together the sons of Aaron and the Levites, and of the sons of Kohath, Uriel the chief and his brothers, 120. Of the sons of Merari, Asaiah the chief and his brothers, 220. Of the sons of Gershom, Joel the chief and his brothers, 130. Of the sons of Elisaphan, Shemaiah the chief and his brothers, 200. Of the sons of Hebron, Eliel the chief and his brothers, 80. And of the sons of Uziel, Aminadab the chief and his brothers, 112. David called for Zadok and Abiath of the priests, and for the Levites, for Uriel, Asaiah, Joel, Shemaiah, Eliel, and Abinadab, and said to them, You are the heads of the fathers' households of the Levites. Sanctify yourselves, both you and your brothers, that you may bring the ark of Yahweh, the God of Israel, up to the place that I have prepared for it. For because you didn't carry it at first, Yahweh our God broke out in anger against us, because we didn't seek him according to the ordinance. So the priests and the Levites sanctified themselves to bring up the ark of Yahweh, the God of Israel. The children of the Levites bore God's ark on their shoulders with its poles, as Moses commanded according to Yahweh's word. David spoke to the chief of the Levites to appoint their brothers as singers with instruments of music, stringed instruments, harps and cymbals, sounding aloud and lifting up their voices with joy. So the Levites appointed Heman, the son of Joel, and of his brothers Asaph, the son of Berechiah, and of the sons of Merari, their brothers, Ethan, the son of Cushiah, and with them their brothers of the second rank, Zechariah, Ben, Jaaziel, Shemiramoth, Jehiel, Uni, Eliab, Benaiah, Maasiah, Mattathiah, Eliphalu, Mechniah, Obed-Edom, and Jael, the doorkeepers. So the singers, Haman, Asaph, and Ethan, were given cymbals of bronze to sound aloud, and Zechariah, Aziel, Shemiramoth, Jehiel, Uni, Eliab, Maasiah, and Benaiah, with stringed instruments set to Alamoth, and Mattathiah, Eliphelehu, Mikniah, and Ebed-Edom, Jael, and Azaziah, with harps tuned to the eight-string lyre to lead. Chenaniah, chief of the Levites, was over the singing. He taught the singers because he was skillful. Berechiah and Elkanah were doorkeepers for the ark. Shebaniah, Joshaphat, Nethanel, Amasiah, Zechariah, Benaiah, and Eliezer, the priests, blew the trumpets before God's ark, and Obed-Edom and Jehiah were the doorkeepers for the ark. So, David and the elders of Israel and the captains over thousands went to bring the Ark of Yahweh's Covenant up out of the house of Obed-Edom with joy. When God helped the Levites who bore the Ark of Yahweh's Covenant, they sacrificed seven bulls and seven rams. David was clothed with a robe of fine linen, as were all the Levites who bore the Ark, the singers, and Chenaniah, the choir master, with the singers, and David had an ephod of linen on him. Thus all Israel brought the Ark of Yahweh's Covenant up with shouting, with sound of the cornets, with trumpets and with cymbals, sounding aloud with stringed instruments and harps. 
As the Ark of Yahweh's covenant came to David's city, Michael, the daughter of Saul, looked out the window and saw King David dancing and playing, and she despised him in her heart. So in this chapter, they finally bring up the Ark of the Covenant the right way this time, and they do it with the help of the Levites. And now David, it says in the first few verses, he prepared a place for the Ark. So God not, uh, David not only wanted God's presence in his city, he prepared for it. And um, later on, he's, he's going to realize that, oh, a tent's not good enough. I want to build a house. Now, he doesn't end up building the house. Solomon does. But he thinks. He realizes, oh. So David's the type of guy who thinks, what does God want? And he prepares for it, plans for it, puts things in place. So it's a little bit like uh, a man who courts a girl. He thinks to himself, oh, I like that girl. I want to have her in my life. Uh, what can I do? <laughs> he prepares, you know, and so he might, you know, have a shower, put on perfume, you know, make himself look nice. You know, he puts the best foot forward. So David does the same with God. He tries to court the Lord. He prepares. And so that's what's cool about David. You know, he's not only interested to know what God wants, he gets himself ready for it too. And then it goes on to list the six groups of Levites, and it says there was Kohath, uh, of the, it says, of the tribe of Kohath, uh, Uriel, the chief and his brothers, 120 people. Merari, of that tribe of Merari, Isaiah, the chief and his brothers, 220 people. And it goes through these six groups, Kohath, Merari, Gershom. Now, those three are the th sons of Levi. But then, weirdly, it goes on to say three more groups. Elisaphan, Hebron, and Uziel, three more groups. One of the commentators says, we don't know who these three groups are. Well, <laughs> if only they had Googled, if only they had searched their Bible, gateway.com, which maybe they didn't have back then, but um, I did it. And in, in my searching, I found out that Elizaphan, well, so, so, yeah, let's just start again. So you've got three of, these, three of these groups, are Kohath, Merari, and Gershom. They're the three sons of Levi. So way, way back, you know, when the 12 tribes of Israel, you've got Levi, one of the tribes, and he has three sons, Kohath, Merari, and Gershom. So three of the groups are from these three sons. Fine. But what about these other three groups? Well, if you keep reading in Exodus chapter 6, where it lists all the descendants of Levi, you find out that of the three sons... One of the sons, Kohath, has a bunch of sons, and the names of some of his sons are Hebron and Uziel. So, okay. And then one of those sons, Uziel, one of his sons is called Elisaphan. So these next three groups here are actually all descendants of Kohath. So you've got Kohath, Gershom, and Merari, but one of them, Kohath, these other three groups, Elisaphan, Hebron, and Uziel, are two of them are sons and one's a grandson of Kohath. So technically speaking, four out of the six groups here are all from Kohath. And that's the priestly group. That's the group where the priests come from. And the other two groups are Merari and Gershom. So technically, you know, four-sixths are from Kohath and one-sixth are Merarites and Gershomites. And when you add up all the numbers, it comes to 512 people from Kohath, 220 from Merari, 130 from Gershom, 862 people in total. I don't know if there's any significance to the numbers, but I just added it up just to see. And uh, so there you go. And it says that these people prepared themselves to carry the ark. 
I thought that was interesting. If you go back to the book of Leviticus, it talks about the process of sanctifying yourself to be clean so that you could do these things for the Lord. And usually that sanctifying process meant you had to offer your own sacrifices. So, you know, they, they enter into Jerusalem. We, we know in the book of Samuel that as they bring the ark, they would, they would walk like six steps and offer a sacrifice. Walk six steps, offer a sacrifice. So there's a lot of sacrifices going on as they're bringing the ark up. But here we find out they prepared themselves to carry the ark. And what that meant was sacrifices. So they actually made sacrifices before the whole process of bringing the ark and making a whole lot more sacrifices. Now in the Old Testament, the priests were the people that could carry the ark. In the New Testament, the Bible tells us that we're all priests and we all carry the glory of God. So the glory of God was physically located in the ark, but now the glory of God lives in you. So in the Old Testament, only certain people could carry God's glory, but now you can carry God's glory, you're a priest. And in the same way that they prepared themselves to carry, you know, they sanctified themselves so that they could carry the ark, so you and I must also prepare ourselves so that we can carry the glory of God. And how do we do that? Well, that you will find in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 22, which says this, Let us draw near to God with, sincere, with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience. So we recognize that it's impossible for us to get ourselves perfectly squeaky clean. What we do is we come to the Lord, we bring our hearts before him and we say, Lord, cleanse us. So we do so with faith and the blood of the Lord sprinkles our hearts and makes us clean. So we're clean through grace and faith by trusting in him. If the Lord wanted to be stingy and he wanted to require us to be perfect, no one would be able to carry the glory of God. But because the Lord has provided a way for our hearts to be clean, we can all carry the glory of the Lord if we so desire to do so. And so David is the one. It says here that he wore a robe of linen. It actually says he wore an ephod of fine linen. Now, fine linen in the book of Revelation tells us, it says that the saints were given linen to wear, which is righteousness. So David, here's a picture of Christ wearing fine linen. He's wearing righteousness and he's leading the people of God in with joy into the city. So it's a picture of Jesus leading you and me into the good things of God, into the city. And it reminded me, as I was thinking about this, it reminded me of some Psalms. Psalm 100 verse 4 says, I will enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart. And in Psalm 16 verse 11 it says, in his presence there is joy. So you and I, we're supposed to sprinkle our hearts. We're supposed to carry the glory of God. We're supposed to follow our leader, Jesus Christ. We're supposed to enter into his presence with thanksgiving. And when we get there, we find we have got great joy. So all of these things that physically happen are great pictures and examples of us. And in a kind of a way, every Sunday morning when you come to church and we enter into thanksgiving and praise, we're, we're doing spiritually what they did here all these you know, 3,000 years ago when they carried the ark into the city of Jerusalem. So it's kind of cool that we are not left out of the story, but we get to do it too. At the end of the chapter, it says that as he entered in the city, Michael despised David in her heart. In um, the other account of this, in the Samuel account, it says that she saw him dancing in his ephod. Basically, he was dancing in kind of like, you know, apparently in like underwear, and she was disgusted. And she, you know, she had things to say about it. Here, none of that gets mentioned. 
And presumably everybody who reads this knows the other story, and just like you and I know the other story, and we know that she was disgusted, and yet it doesn't say that here. So all we're left with here is, is the idea that she sees someone praising and having joy in the Lord, and she despises it. Now, what do you get when someone despises their fellow Christians who worship? You get a grumpy Christian, <laughs> and you get someone who's fruitless. And that's what happened to Michael. She despised David, and, and it said in the other account that she had no children until her dying day. Now, the reason she had no children was because David, uh, to put it bluntly, wouldn't be intimate with her anymore after that. He had a lot of wives, and now he's got this one who's grumpy, and he's not having anything to do with her now because she's out of sorts. And, um, but here in this account, we don't have any of that detail. All we have is an example of someone who despises the worshipping of the Lord. We have a grumpy Christian, basically, and they become fruitless. So when you or I become grumpy, <laughs> we despise what our fellow believers are doing. We despise their joy. We despise their you know, enthusiasm for the Lord. It actually does make us fruitless. But on the other hand, the other thing is true, and we appreciate our fellow Christians, and we're so glad to see them happy, and we participate too. It makes us fruitful. Thank God for that. <laughs> so Lord, we want to be fruitful. Fill us with the joy of the Lord. Lord, we want to carry the glory of God, just like these priests and Levites, how they carry the glory of the Lord. We want to be people who carry the Lord everywhere with us. We want to be people who make sacrifices and carry the joy, be full of thanksgiving, but make us be people like this, Make us fruitful, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.